the nature of your emergency. Welcome back to the Tactical Living Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Walton, joined by Detective Walton. How are you? I'm good. Today, I wanted to have a conversation about something that we all need to be talking about, and yet it's one of those conversations that I think we all avoid, and I think we avoid it because it's incredibly uncomfortable. But today, I wanted to talk about funeral and burial wishes. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy today's content. Now, Clint, I recently talked to you about the fact that there's something called cemetery recycling. Mm-hmm. And you were completely shocked that that was even a thing. Yeah, I've never heard of that before at all. Somebody brought that to my attention and I started to do some research on it. And essentially, cemetery recycling means that there are many cemeteries that will reuse their burial sites and they will either take the remains and remove them and then bury them somewhere else in like a mass grave, or they will bury other bodies directly on top of the existing graves. And that's shocking because most people think that they're spending all of this money on a burial plot or a grave site and that it will last forever. And from my research, there are very few cemeteries that actually forbid this or that that agree that this will never happen. And in essence, for the most part, a lot of these burial sites are leased ground. And it's so crazy to me because I, I think of from the like law enforcement side, what what it takes to have to exhume a body from a grave site or anything to that nature. And if you just wait long enough, they're going to extricate those bodies without any without any warrants or any orders or anything from, from a judge. But like, to me, it's just amazing. And, and I guess it really comes down to that old saying, you know, you need to read, really read the fine print with this stuff because I'm sure it's in that contract somewhere. You pay $10,000 for this plot of land for what you think is your eternity. And the reality is, is it's, until your nearest relatives or your people, anyone who would remember you is removed from that picture. Yeah, and the the consensus that I read was an average of 100 years is when this type of thing would take place. And I think, too, that when it comes to reading the fine print, it might say something along the lines of having your body remain for eternity, but it might not specify in that specific location or at that specific gravesite. Hmm. That's really interesting. And so when they do this, um, what I read too is that they, they do commonly try to reach out to any remaining family. But when you think about that for a second, if I were to die today and then you were to bury my body after 100 years, I mean, we don't have any kids, so that makes it exceptionally so. But after 100 years, it's not very likely that there's going to be anybody even going to that grave site. And that's also one of the stipulations in a lot of these cemeteries is inactivity. And I've never had to check into a cemetery, so I don't know how they would be able to determine whether or not a grave site is even inactive. I wonder, I I remember you mentioning something about like 
if someone's putting flowers or putting um, mementos on the headstone or they put some type of notice on the headstone saying that this is going to happen soon. Now, my question, too, is you pay another five, ten thousand dollars for this extravagant headstone in some cases. And what happens with that? Like, do they like grind off the name and reutilize that as well? And it's a very sensitive thing to talk about. And that's why a lot of people don't talk about it. And I think it's very important for us to all have a strategy to be able to openly discuss what our final wishes are and to discuss that now, regardless of how old we are. For example, Clint knows, and I've said this from the onset of our relationship, that when something happens and I'm no longer here, I'm no longer here and my interpretation of that is I have left my body. Therefore, I don't care about my body. You can donate every piece of it in whatever way is available, whatever is the easiest way to be able to donate my remains. Because to me, that's all that that is. And I know so many people that have never had this kind of candid conversation with the people that they care about the most because they're young or they're healthy or we don't want to think about the inevitable. And I think that we do such a disservice to our loved ones by not having that conversation. And I'm saying that because when my mom died and when she was dying, luckily we had had this conversation prior and I knew what her wishes were. And then as she was sick, she, she made sure that I knew what her wishes were. But I can't imagine having being in that situation and having that been my decision or any presumptuous arguments that might have taken place between my family. Yeah. And it's something, I mean, if you really look at it in the totality of life and everything, like death is one of those things that most people, that's probably the biggest fear of people in general. And it's not comfortable to talk about it. And and getting to that point of where you can have a candid conversation about death or anything associated to it is it's almost like a step process to become more accepting of it. And in my mind. And I I think too, after having experienced death of loved ones, we also develop this new understanding of the importance of making sure that those around us know what to do. And I think that by providing a call of action to the people that we care about the most, it's one of the final gifts that we could give to the people that we care about the most. But we have to make sure that we're doing that in advance. And we never know when that final day will come. And I'm going to link a book down below. It's called When I'm Gone, I believe. And it's essentially a a workbook to be able to fill in all the blanks. And it has a bunch of different prompts that, that help us to be able to know the questions that our loved ones might have or that we might have when our loved ones pass away. And no matter how morbid it might sound, I think that as you know, the holidays are approaching, like this is an incredible, you're laughing at me, but it's an incredible gift. And when you're able to explain it in that way, then I think that in my opinion, it's, it's one of those assets that we should all have, whether we're talking about a living, a living trust along with that, I think we also need to have a book of our final wishes. And I absolutely agree. And I'm, I'm laughing because I am visualizing us going out to my parents before Christmas. I'm like, okay, guys, we need to talk about this. <laughs> and that's why I'm laughing. About well, I it. mean, we could choose to not do it at, 
a holiday, but I, you know, the, the gist of it is that I think it's important for us to do it, period. Yeah, no, I, and I'm just visualizing me presenting it because that's what I do. I find the most awkward times to present things like that. And I mean, we're, I think that even if we have these conversations, there are still things that we're guilty of not, not satisfying in terms of the, the actions that would need to take place because nobody teaches us that. And I remember that being one of the biggest gripes that I had after my mom died. Like nobody taught me all of these things that I would later stumble on. And I'm, I'm saying stumble and it's really appropriate to use that word because my mom's death certificate was amended two times due to errors that were on it. And when we're in an emotional state like that, we might not even realize that we're making those types of mistakes. Yeah, and it's it's always hardest if if in in that time of grief, in that time of despair that you're going through with losing somebody, and and if you don't have any plan plan formulated ahead of time, like it just makes it that much harder, and and you want it to be a seamless process, and it's something that if you have it kind of dialed in beforehand. I mean, yeah, you might hit some bumps in the road, but it's there's not any learning curve to it in that time. And you can just grieve appropriately and, and do what you have to do. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest misconceptions is I think on my dad's age and, you know, we don't like to sit and dwell on those thoughts, but we need to be realistic in knowing that one day that final day will come for him. I know a lot of people who they think that when someone dies, that everything else dies with them, including things like their debts, for example. And legally, that's just not the truth. So I think that having a plan and an understanding of that reality is important for all of us. So hopefully it's given us all something to think about and we're able to do things to prepare and then to, again, have a final gift to be able to give to the people that we love the most in making such a hard time a little less difficult. If you've gotten any value out of today's episode, do us a favor, drop a review, subscribe down below. And as always, know that I am sending you a long, tight hug from my home to yours.